Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. We'd like to wrap 2020 with weekly live Q&A sessions here on the podcast. So after this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support this holiday season, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone, Hello. I'm Hannah, this is Kelty, we're upbringing. Okay, you introduce us. We're here. <laughs> we made it. We're excited to talk about dismantling discipline. One conversation at a time using powers beyond control with our kids. Um, so we can just keep away all of the those control-based things that we don't want to be practicing. Those legacies, um, that, that cultural conditioning that we don't want to be perpetuating, both in our home and outside our home. Once our children move out into the world someday. Right? We talk a lot about alignment. How can we keep that alignment strong? The children we want to raise, the people we want to be, not just in the happy moments, but in those tough moments with our kids when we want to control the shit out of them, right? Consequences <clears throat> on my terms now, threats, rewards, overpower, lectures, shame, blame, spanking, time out. All that fun stuff that comes so instinctually to us. Did you want to paste something, Kelty, sure. for us? Um, what would Whoa, just, what just happened there? I don't know. <laughs> for those of you listening, we are super glitterified somehow, which I love. You found glitter in your coat pocket today, so maybe that's what's going on <laughs> I, right now. I don't understand this. How did that just happen? <laughs> Does anyone know how to unglitter? This is magical. Um, I'm cool with the glitter. It makes me feel really? special and fancy. Well, yeah. good, because I don't know how to undo okay, it. Okay, so everyone, uh, welcome uh, type in what's going on with you. How are you struggling with your sensitive and spirited kids? Um, where is it difficult? Where are you looking to use powers beyond control? Um, where are you looking to discipline in a different way when it doesn't really feel like it aligns with how you roll as a progressive person, mm-hmm. right? We <clears throat> want to align the parenting and the personhood um, stuff. We're also talking this week about respect yeah. and feeling disrespected by our kids, which happens so often. 
we're going through work, we're going through partnerships, we're going through life in this uh, traumatic new landscape. Um, some obviously more than others were super privileged, straight, able-bodied, cis, white women. Um, just had to put that out there too. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was I talking about? Shit. I don't know where you were going with that, but think about it for a sec. I think oftentimes we think of connection with our kids as in the like the happy moments, uh, as when we're on the swings, oh, when we're reading them stories at night, when they jump on our lap to cuddle. Those are all these amazing moments that we show them that we are there for them. Mm-hmm. We show them that uh, they can come yeah. to us, our child, that they they can come to us for anything. We show them that who they are is wonderful and perfect and enough. And then we forget, I think, oftentimes that connection can also happen and should happen for optimal learning during the tough times, too. Yeah. And that's when we've been culturally conditioned to believe that in the tough moments, when our kids are doing things that we don't want them to be doing or saying things that mm-hmm. we don't like them saying, that's when we switch from connection mode, from the good moments, to correction mode. And that is the biggest misconception about conventional parenting. Correction mode does not need to happen. Right. Does not need to happen. That's that's kind of where I was going with it. Just saying how hard our day is. And then our kids disrespect us by saying like that we're the worst parent or they're sassing us or being mean or saying they won't do something like you pick it up or I'm not cleaning my room or this dinner is disgusting or um, no, I will not uh, kind of observe that limit that you put up or that boundary or whichever, whatever it's hard. it is. We hear you. It's really hard. Yeah. It's hard not to feel disrespected. It's hard not to have our egos triggered in that moment where we tend to take everything so personally that this little tiny person with a fracture of the brain who's been on the planet for a fracture of as long as we have um, is kind of uh, putting it out there, putting out there what yeah. they need what they want, who they are, and it doesn't sound great, and it doesn't feel great, and it doesn't land great with us, and it's so hard. We want to talk about that today, too, mm-hmm. if all you do. Yeah. Let's Please see. type. We've got a few people coming in, and we've got a load of DMs that we can make yeah. our way through, too. Let's, let us know what's going on with you. Hello. All right. Also, Some let us know where waiting. you're coming in from. Mm-hmm. It's really fun to hear um, where you guys all are in, in the world. Where in the world is mm-hmm. everyone? Someone writes, five-year-old is really bossing, trying to keep us from even talking to each other. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that can be really triggering for me. Mm-hmm. When I feel like every time my husband and I, he comes in in the morning, pours me a cup of coffee, and we're just trying to have a, just a simple conversation. Mm-hmm. Somehow my son just knows and beelines towards us and dives in. And I think uh, often, especially the bossing thing, that mm-hmm. immediately tells me, He's searching for connection. He's searching for control and some sense of security in that. Mm. What are you picking up, Cal? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes me think of right when that started happening for for us first. We've got four kids between us. Hannah's daughter is the oldest. She's seven and a half now. But when she was about two and my daughter was was younger, I remember when your daughter would come to the super bossy stage Mm -hmm. where she was just like, no, didn't want my daughter up on the counter in her chair, didn't want... You know, us to do anything. No, not that spoon or don't talk to her like that or all of these things. And we're just like, wow. Mm-hmm. But we've kind of gotten into um, RIE, which is resources for infant educators and has, is traditionally seen as kind of a, a respectful parenting approach that validates those emotions, even the ones that scare us and we feel like are really rude and bossy and and um, and hard to listen to. And I remember hearing Hannah say that for the first time being like, you don't want her up in your seat. And I was like, what? Why are you 
validating and acknowledging this thing. Is that condoning or? What I was going to say was, it's okay for her to be in the seat or in this person's case, it's all right if we talk to each other, we have the right to talk to each other, Mm -hmm. right? And, And it just, it confounds this impulse that we have to rationalize, to talk about logic, to stand up for ourselves and say, you can't talk to me that way. Or what's your problem with that? That's not okay. Basically to just um, kind of attack the the visual, the the behavior, behavior, the words, what we call those choppy waves on top of the water, as opposed to what we're trying to do, which is pop those goggles on and look down beneath. So we talked about this five-year-old and say, this five-year-old who's bossing everyone and controlling conversations. We hear that from a lot of people saying their kids are telling where, where and when they can sit at the table and how right. and all of these kind of controlling and bossy behaviors. And we'd say, how are you doing? You don't want us talking? How Usually come? those things come right. from a sense of stress or anxiety, either yeah. in the moment that they're not wanting you to talk about something, maybe them, maybe something coming mm-hmm. up, maybe the tone of your voice is stressing them out. Or maybe it has nothing to do with what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's really just that they're feeling anxious and they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I get super bossy and controlling Me when too. I'm stressed out too. Oh, yeah. I, some people get really needy. So some kids will be whiny and clingy. Or they shut down. Uh-huh. Yeah. Other kids will be bossy. I always right? wished I had a kid that would just shut down when they were stressed <laughs> out. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, you uh, lucky ducks out there. <laughs> um, no, no, but um, but, but they're yeah. telling you that they, they're struggling right, so with something. How can we get down to that need? I'd right. pause conversation and be like, okay, we're going to hold up our convo for a second. Instead of brushing it off or saying, I can talk when I fucking want. Excuse me. Yeah. We're going to say to the five-year-old, how you doing? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Was it that we were too loud? Was it what we were talking about? Yeah, what's up? Are what you, are you needing, needing a little space? What are you needing right what are you now? needing right now? Right? And it's so it's so easy for those moments when we're like, what is their problem? Why are they doing this? What is I this all let about? Them dominate and walk all right, over me. Right, to either me. ignore it and <laughs> be like, I will not even pay this any attention. It doesn't deserve my attention. It's attention seeking. Right. They're trying to control me. Or to say, stop saying that or go to your room or do whatever. It's so backward feeling for us to turn to them and decide to put a little investment into connecting a few to seconds. stop it. I think we've all been there when we realize, gosh, if I just like turned my attention to my kid for two minutes, I probably could have connected enough to help them <clears throat> calm down or to see to that need or to help them verbalize that right. need or to just make them feel seen and heard for a second, as opposed to putting a finger in the dam and it taking mm-hmm. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or escalating, escalating, mm-hmm. escalating everyone's stress. Right. I think this could happen random mm-hmm. times of the day, but I think w- folks also notice it like when they're talking to a partner. When they get on the phone, mm-hmm. their kid doesn't need them, doesn't boss them around at all. And then the minute they get on the phone, the child is there. Mm-hmm. All of those things, it's a great idea, Kelsey, to say, how can I fill their cup before mm-hmm. I engage in something that's going to maybe pull them into our orbit a little bit when I actually need to do something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully this helps a little bit, but I'd say just invest in one second to figure out what they're needing to help redirect them to help fill their cup for a moment Mm -hmm. right and still setting a boundary not saying well i guess i'll just give up this conversation Mm -hmm. and just do whatever they want there's that middle way you know besides telling them get the hell away and be like being like i'm sorry partner i just can't talk to you anymore yeah it's a it's a tough line of figuring out where do they stand right now because it takes a little practice sometimes i'm like if i just pay some attention, drop my call, drop my convo for a second to fill their cup and connect. 
this is going to pay off so I can actually go do that. And other times I'm like, this isn't even going to happen. Like I have to abort the whole thing mm-hmm. or I can push them off for a minute and get these things done that I need to, and then turn to connect. Mm-hmm. It's about tuning yeah. into what your kid needs and, and where they are and what will support them. Uh, and, and, and your own stress level. Yeah. Honestly, like the, the times that I'm more stressed mm-hmm. and I feel that bossing or whining mm-hmm. or nagging, that's when I feel like I need to actually go straight to the source, mm-hmm. not put it off because mm-hmm. that's when I end up snapping yeah. or yelling, right? You'll lose your shit eventually. I totally yeah. will. So better to do it before you've gotten ramped up and fast. interrupted a bunch of times totally. before they start climbing on you while you're trying to talk to your partner. That yeah, or getting thing. more aggressive with the bossy. It might mm-hmm. just get more and more. Yeah. Thank you for that. And keep giving them opportunities to a five-year-old who's mm-hmm. maybe bossing, needing some connection. They're needing um, so maybe some agency, agency and some choices. So making sure that you're giving that to a five-year-old who's maybe being like, I have I own nothing. I have no control yeah, but over we can, anything. We can also get goofy. Yeah. You don't want us talking about this thing? What do you want us talking about? Elephants? What do you want us? You don't want us sitting in these chairs? Should I sit on the floor down here? But I can't reach the table, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of trying to break the spell a little bit with a, with a little bit of humor and connection, yeah. right? Yeah. Or we go through the resist approach, mm-hmm. which you can download for free on our website. When yeah. our kids resist us, we get this amazing opportunity, yay, us, to be resisting these cultural, um, culturally conditioned influences that say, exist within a hierarchy. Make your family the institutions that you fight against outside of the home. Um, dominate, oppress, control, because they're beneath you. And we're trying to just shatter all of that and say, yes, we are technically in control, but we don't have to be controlling our kids all the time. We can teach we can love, we can all learn and practice these skills in a more egalitarian environment, mm-hmm. more democratic mm-hmm. environment. It's possible, right? right? It will not be total chaos and anarchy. It, it's possible. Yeah. If you have questions about that, chime mm-hmm. in down below. We've got a few more questions here. So what do I do, someone says, when I'm nursing the baby and the four or five-year-old is making things unsafe for everyone else? Example, today I set up the nugget for some sliding and jumping big muscle movement and the four-year-old started pushing and kicking the toddler and five-year-old off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're nursing the baby. That's you're nursing hard. the baby. That must feel so help- helpless. Especially when you're like, ah, I set something up so they can get all that energy out. Yay. They, <laughs> this should hold them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be really, could be really stressful. Um, yeah. Do you feel like the, the other kids were really struggling? Do you feel like it was really f- physically dangerous or just kind of like, why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. Like someone could get hurt. Someone could fall back and hit their head on a coffee table or could do something else. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is like we can't plan when a four-year-old is going to use that exercise time to also be aggressive to other kids. Mm-hmm. And I think the most we can do if we're able to get up or if we're able to connect with them is to connect with the ones who aren't struggling in that moment. So mm-hmm. not the four-year-old, but maybe the five-year-old and the two-year-old mm-hmm. and say, hey, if this isn't feeling good for you, it looks like he's needing a little bit of space to get going here. Mm-hmm. Can you you come sit with me for a minute or, and mm-hmm. know in the back of your mind, maybe if this is going to happen again, you mm-hmm. give him the four-year-old a little jumping time first. Mm-hmm. So he feels kind of gets those things out and that yeah. aggression and then and, bring everybody else in. And it's information for next yeah. time. Right. Whenever we're like, oh shit, that didn't go the way I wanted. We're like, great. I have Intel for next time. So we can try to do <clears> things a little differently. And when we realize that often, we're like, so I go straight to the source and I go to the kid and I say, next time you're going to make a different choice. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so easy for us to yeah. just be like, this cannot happen again. This thing that just happened. So I'm going to tell them so I'm going to tell happen. them to stop it. Yeah. Right. But we have to remember children's brains, children's lack of impulse control, all the stress in the body that we've been mentioning, basically every single one of these Q&A mm-hmm. episodes and each question with in. Right. There's so much stress. There's so much um, 
nervous system um, regulating that kids need to do. Yes, sometimes that's skipping, sometimes that's swinging, sometimes that's crawling, sometimes that's wheelbarrowing, sometimes right. that's jumping on the bed, and sometimes that's bopping all the siblings. Yeah. And that's just part of part of it too. I, so I would bring that up in a circle back, yeah. not a grill back, right? And say, last time I noticed you're getting kind of kicky. The you know your brothers and sisters were just kind of they're struggling because they wanted to go on the on the thing too. What can we do next time? Because I want you to be able to get your energy out in a safe way. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What could we do? And then we can circle back with the other kids too, especially the five-year-old. How can we make a little space for, for Tommy? You know, what can we do? Yeah, I mean, we had a pretty big trampoline that could mm-hmm. have had a couple kids on it maybe, but they struggled so much with it, especially with the excitement mm-hmm. at the beginning that we did have to say, what could we do? And they were like, I think we need to jump on it one at a time. Mm-hmm. And when they're done jumping, everyone's sitting in a special spot and then they rotate through yeah. and they're learning patience and communication. Mm-hmm. It's hard. But I think we, you can also just talk about um, natural consequences. Right. And not in a punitive way, but gosh, I really hope we can all play safely on this. But if we can't, that me- and you're showing me that you can't and your right. body just has to do all these things, which I totally get. Right. We're, we're um, validating the impulse, mm-hmm. even though it yeah. feels really wild to do that. Saying sometimes you just have to hit people. So if it's one of those times, I'm probably going to pack up the thing. Right. We've got we to gotta pack it up those times because we've got to keep everyone safe. Right. OK. Love you. Right. And then talking to the five-year-old who's older, she can definitely help out. Sometimes when four-year-old gets so excited, he starts pushing. He doesn't have control of his body. And we're not like demonizing him or making her scared or creating a big cycle. We're just saying, sometimes it's tricky. What can we do? Could you wait with two-year-old or get a snack first while he does stuff and bring the five-year-old, bring the oldest in on, how can we make this work for everybody? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Right. Build those those collaboration skills and innovation skills with the oldest one. Yeah. Or you, could you be the ringmaster mm-hmm. to the little to the four year old or the five year old? Could you guys mm-hmm. all take on circus uh, roles? Mm-hmm. You know, where you can get into some imaginative play that can get sticky too because everyone mm-hmm. starts arguing about that and yeah. you know it's like the Stanford Prison Experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, someone says seven year old gets so self critical and expresses not wanting to be alive anymore. How to support those scary feelings? Oh yeah. Oh my I'm gosh. Sorry. It's really tricky and really yeah. triggering and really worrisome, right? Yeah, and I feel like if you're really worried about um, that in terms of mental health stuff, totally seek a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not doctors. We're just parent coaches. Yeah. Um, but we definitely um, have a lot of experience with our own kids and with folks that we coach about mm-hmm. negative self-talk um, yeah. with kids. And it's so hard. You're right, Han. And and in that age, too, I think it's, it's also like that seven-year-olds are also at the age where they say, you're the worst mom on earth. They're the, at the age where they say, I'm never going to her house again, ever again. Mm-hmm. They're talking in extremes because they're feeling really extreme in those moments. Mm-hmm. And that's not to discount the feelings they have and say, well, that's not real. That's not true. Mm-hmm. It's coming from a real place and saying, I'm uncomfortable inside and saying, I don't feel good and I need support. And mm-hmm. I think our natural instinct is usually to convince them out of their feelings. Mm-hmm. What? You're so, you you want to be here. We want no, you here. This and you're that. Go- you're great. Don't be critical of yourself. Right. You're, you're so smart or you're so this or so loved. Yeah. Whatever they're saying, we want to counter. We want to balance it instinctually, instinctually right? But we don't want to be doing that necessarily. Usually the, the, the training we've done in, in emotion coaching and in validating our kids is just saying, we're not talking about the specific wording. We they could say, I suck at math. They could say, I, I won't go to grandma's. Right. They could say, I don't want to be here. So we're translating for them and validating the deeper feeling underneath and saying, you're struggling right now. 
what happened today really bothered you, or you wish that this were different, mm -hmm. or you're feeling alone right now in your mm -hmm. feelings, or you're, you've got some big feelings. I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. I'm here, right? We want to create a sense of security. We don't want to convince them out of it, yeah. rationalize. We don't want to pepper them right. with questions. Why? Why would you think that? Mm -hmm. what, what, what would make you think that we wouldn't want you here? Or why are you so self-critical? You're wonderful. Yeah. Right. So it's so hard to resist those urges to fix it, talk them out of it, um, rationalize, distract, it. rationalize, get questiony yeah. about it and to just sit with them in the dark a little bit and mm -hmm. hold their hand and, and say, T tell me more if you want. I'm here. Yeah. I'm listening. That's what we all need when we're struggling. Well, right? and that validates them to not just experience the feeling with a sense of security, but also to continue to come to us with their deepest, darkest worries. Right. It's going to, it's, they're going to have not, you know, not have feelings. The rest of their lives are always going to have feelings, right? And we don't want to be conditioning them to believe every time I go to mom and dad, they tell me that I shouldn't be feeling that way, even the most loving way. Okay. I guess they can't hold up my feelings for me. I guess they can't show up and feel safe. Even when I feel really unsafe. Did you say we've all had people right. in our lives like that too, yeah. where, you know, I share something that's, that's on the dark side with someone in my life and they're like, Oh, don't you know what? This, no. what? No. And then I have this moment momentary realization. Okay. I might not, not confide in them in that way anymore. Ooh, I didn't feel like my feel, my feelings were held and supported in the way that I was right. hoping. That's okay. It's <clears throat> just not, not for them. Well, and I think that that's going to happen in their lives with other people, mm -hmm. but we're an attachment figure. So we really, they, the, our response is connected to their future. Kids future. Kids future. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Our response as parents is connected to our kids inner response as they grow older, our voice becomes their inner voice. So when they tell us something that's really gnarly that they feel about themselves or another person, and we have that feeling inside, like, no, this can't be right. Cannot be they true. just said something so racist. They just said that they want to <clears throat> end it. They just said that they're, that they hate this person. They just said these things that cannot be true. That, that mm -hmm. is so disturbing to me or worrisome to me. Right. Mm -hmm. We want to respond with connection. We want to hold that space and help them feel safe in the feeling. We're not saying that what they want to do with that feeling is okay. We're just mm -hmm. saying, let's explore this and create security so you can tell me more and we can move past it together. But I think our instinct is if I hold space for that, like even for a kid pushing a boundary and saying, I won't go to bed mm -hmm. or I'm not going to swim lessons or I never want to see grandma again. If we hold space for those feelings, isn't that not just acknowledging them, but validating and saying, Giving okay, permission. then you're not going to grandma's or, okay, then you, I agree that, that, um, so-and-so's ugly or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And we can, we can acknowledge <clears throat> the feeling and hold space for the feeling right. and still not say, yes, that's true. Or yes, you don't ever have to swim again or mm -hmm. whatever it is. First comes the, the feeling and feeling safety in it. Mm -hmm. Later we can talk about the logistics or whatever that means, but we have to create the safety first. So our kids feel safe in their emotions and don't repress them. Right. And they don't pop out in random other ways or conceal them from us, conceal them from mm -hmm. us also. Yeah. We got to be that safe place, taking yeah. notes, nodding, looking like this is no big deal. And then we go and talk to a partner, yeah. a listening partner, a therapist. I love that you, a doctor. that you're wanting to support those scary yeah. feelings. It's so great. And I think it too, Hannah, we've worked with a lot of coaching folks on this, on not having a stressed out face of like, okay, oh all right. And looking a little bit scared ourselves, mm -hmm. that can be an, our inner reel. And I'm like, I'm going to unload on my partner about this later tonight. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to cry about it. And that's going to be awesome mm -hmm. right now. 
As my child is telling me this scary, Mm -hmm. disturbing thing. I'm stepping into my sensitive support staff. Got this all cool and calm. Mm -hmm. I am, I'm, I'm trying to communicate one, that this is not shocking or scary to me, but two, that I'm here to learn everything. Not like, oh yeah, I've been there before, but yes. Okay. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. How come? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me know if you want to. Thank wanna, you for sharing that with me. If you want to share more, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Is it, what can I do for you? What are you needing? Mm-hmm. Right. And just calm and like everything's, everything's good and we're here for them. Mm-hmm. Right. And that might just be nodding the first time and maybe mm-hmm. a seven-year-old isn't ready to tell you more or tell you why mm-hmm. yet, but you're starting that, that conversation and, and talking less, listening more, right. Mm-hmm. Starting that, that trust uh, relationship with these tough, scary feelings that our kids are going to be sharing with us, hopefully the rest of our lives, right? Yeah, hopefully. Someone says, hello from Madison, Wisconsin. I feel like I sometimes sound super patronizing when I'm trying to empathize. Any tips? Mm -hmm. I feel like practice is the number one thing. It comes out really patronizing Mm -hmm. um, as we're practicing. I think that's... It depends on the age of our kids too. Yeah, so our kids are our guides. talking about like, okay, so my my kid's feeling and you might sound like, you sound super frustrated kind of like that instead of like super frustrated. I think empathy is something we always think in our minds is saying, I'm going to label the emotion. I'm going to tell them what they're feeling. (laughs) I'm going to do that type of stuff. And like with a two-year-old maybe, or depending on the temperament of your child, you could say, wow, those are some big feelings. How's Mm -hmm. it going? How you would talk to a friend, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. You're really struggling. I'm here. Tell me more. Yeah. Right. But I think that the oftentimes when I sound patronizing, it's usually because I'm feeling resentful inside. I'm I'm not, I'm not in it. I'm not bought in. I'm actually not feeling the empathy. I'm just using empathy as a tool Mm -hmm. instead of really authentically being like, wow, what's going on? Right. But it's, but it's a slippery slope for a lot of parents. But if they're not using empathy as a tool, but feeling it, you can get sucked in. Mm-hmm. If you're a spongy person, you down. that's when you start doing the sad face because right. you're actually feeling it. Right. And that's dangerous. It's, yeah. it's a hard middle ground to have like a healthy boundary and force field up so you don't get it all on you, mm-hmm. but also be loving and connective enough to be leaning in and supporting mm-hmm. them the way they need. I think oftentimes in those moments, less is more. I think we have to keep remembering that the power we have as a parent to regulate our child, to soothe our child, to create a sense of security just with our presence, just with our body language, just with eye contact and a loving expression on our face. We don't have to label you're frustrated, you're this, you're that. Any sensitive child will be like, don't tell me how I feel. Mm -hmm. This is making me more mad right now, right? Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes that's when Kelty and I, we work on our posture. We work on our facial expression. We start nodding. We nod a lot. We have an interested eyebrows, like, tell me more. I want to know. I'm mm-hmm. not like, what? What the mm-hmm. fuck? Right? <laughs> so do, p- maybe practicing, like, how would you want someone to look at you when you're struggling, right? Practice in the mirror. Yeah. Like, and then practicing practicing here on lives has helped me mm-hmm. because yeah. we're staring at ourselves while we're doing it. Right. But it's, it's all one big experiment and your kid's yeah. going to tell you um, how they feel about your empathy and you're going to feel uh, and get that intel as well, um, giving that empathy. So yeah, hopefully that I, helped a little. We talk if, about it a lot in our big feelings guide mm-hmm. that you can download in our shop. Yeah, but just yeah. to reiterate for those new folks flowing in, when our when our empathy is feeling fake, if our kid is struggling and we're like, yeah, you're frustrated or you really wanted that cookie or whatever it is, I think trying to key into their struggle and saying less mm-hmm. and em- trying to emote more, that's going to help us key in <clears> a little bit. So the nodding saying, mm-hmm. okay, okay, okay. Right. 
Right. I think rather than empathy, what I really think of it as is like radical compassion mm-hmm. where I'm just, I'm not, it's not my problem. The, the, the struggle my mm-hmm. kid has in the moment is not me. It's not my issue. It's just mm-hmm. a little person that lives in my home struggling like any other human being. And I don't have to fix it. I don't have mm-hmm. to avoid it. I don't have to to um, pretend it's not there, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to do all of those things. I just have to validate that struggle happens and that they're safe in that struggle, yeah. right? Hannah took this uh, this Hakomi Method course, uh, which was so cool. And she had to partner up with somebody and take turns exuding a loving presence. Mm. Just exuding a loving presence. And I think that that's something that we could all be working on with our with our babes, with our partners. Take turns and practice with your partner. Be like, is it coming? Is it coming through? Do you want to practice right now? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I might start We're going to exude a loving presence for like five seconds. Okay. 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 How's that? That was our, our take, <laughs> exuding a loving presence. Um, practice. We want to hear your thoughts, everybody. Ashley says, oh, I never thought about being spongy and taking stuff on. Love that. Yeah. Also, just seeing your faces for a couple minutes has brightened my day. Oh, same with you. here, too. We have a couple of questions. <clears throat> Someone wants to be in our video live. What do you think? Yeah, we Let's have like a couple minutes. That would be great. Assuming it was intentional. Yeah, sometimes it's not. Let's see here. They're coming. Um, oh, it says it's connecting. Mm. Oh, someone says, I'm so grounded each time I listen to you, too. Thanks for Thanks, being here. Maggie. Maggie, I feel like maybe you were asking last live if we still have a coaching page. We do on our website. Mm-hmm. It's called Coaching. And it has private and uh, membership, membership mm-hmm. options. We're trying to put together a membership community, everyone. Trying. Trying. So we're taking names, names and numbers you can uh, sign while up. we're putting it together. You can, we'll let you know when, when things are in place. What did Katie say? Uh, she said, less is more. Love it. I need to work on the eyebrows and nods. Yeah. Work those eyebrows. <laughs> okay. I'm, this isn't connecting, so I'm going to cancel. And if you want to come back on, Lindsay, Lindsay Thanks Lou, for all the loveys and the know. hearts. It feel really good to see. Here's one. Let's see. Five-year-old has started lying about lots of little things. I realize it's probably exploration, but worry. feels so good knowing that I'm not the only parent with a five-year-old who's been lying lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're all in this together. Mm-hmm. It is so hard. Those to... first lies are kind of cute. Oh, and after man. that, you're just like, oh, God. First, it's like, oh, I did wash my hands. And uh-huh. then, like, it's something else, mm-hmm. right? Like, he told me, my son told me that he, that he and uh, her son left their house and walked all the way across the farm alone without to my house anyone. without telling uh, telling anyone. And when they came to me, I said, what's going on? Why are you here? And he said, oh, the somebody, the cleaner is at their house. So we had to leave. Hannah was like, and who's I was at like, your house? I was like, nobody. Right. It was like, it was really interesting. And I think that immediately when our kids start lying, we think, mm-hmm. oh my God, we got to shut that down. We've mm-hmm. got to tell them, I see you lying and it's not okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's they so have great. to know reality from fiction. They need to know that they can't <clears throat> manipulate people. That's our instinct in the moment when right. our kids are lying. Mom ain't no fool. Right. Yeah. Right. No. But I think that we have to remember 
a five-year-old or mm-hmm. any child developmentally what lying means. <clears throat> I love talking about lying, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it can mean a lot of things, right? <laughs> Your daughter hit the request button. No worries That's at all. Cool. We can, uh, we'll bring her on anytime. Absolutely. Uh, tell her hello. Um, but I think with lying, it could be so many different reasons. It could be mm-hmm. the fact that they realize there's some real differentiation. What I know right? My, my parents don't know. There's a theory of mine. Like my mind is my own. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm going to test that out and see what that's like and experiment with that. Mm-hmm. It also is a sign of really higher level, like thinking where they're like, what would happen if I evaded this and did this instead? Like, you know, we all think about manipulation is like, Oh, that's the worst trade ever. And I'm a like, negative that's a, thing. a sign of intelligence. It really it is. It's the prefrontal cortex starting to work, starting to problem solve and find different mm-hmm. avenues. Right. Thinking of it like this. Well, that's something they're going to do in the courtroom someday. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's something they're going to do, um, you know, uh, when they're in the well, wilderness alone and okay. they have to find some way around. It's when I mean, it's problem solving, basically. And so we can't get tricked into thinking our kids lying is like evil and it must be stopped. Mm-hmm. I still think that it can also mean sometimes with with certain kids or with depending on how we've been treating their lying or their mistakes in the past. Oftentimes lying can be because our kids aren't going to want to having have made a mistake. They're not going to want us to know something they did. Or they don't right? feel comfortable saying no and having a conversation straight out. Right. But the, the, often the times they're avoiding some sort of uh, reality with us is often because they don't like the way we show up when they've made a mistake. And that's why Kelty and I do not believe in traditional punishment for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons, aside from learning and and um, and self-concept, is that relationship and that mm-hmm. trust that's uh, broken every time we discipline our kids. But most every- of us think that the trust is broken when our kids lie to us. And right. It's bullshit. No, the trust is broken when we punish a decision they've made or a choice they've made. Instead of seeing it as, that's great information, let's process this, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we discipline our kids using the control method, which we call consequences on my terms, now threats, rewards, overpower lectures, and then we throw in spanking and timeouts, um, with that control, typical toolbox, we get, that tells our kids that every time they try something or do something by accident or can't control their impulses, they get in trouble. And so once kids get start to get a little smarter, they realize, well, I can just hide when I make a mistake that I know I'm going to get punished for. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good for mom or dad to be mad at me. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel good for me. It makes me resentful of them. Mm-hmm. All of this is bad. So I'm just going to avoid it and lie. Mm-hmm. It's basically lying as in a lot of ways, a kid's way of saying, preserving our relationship and saying, I don't want this to get between yeah. us. Punishment doesn't it's, feel it's good, actually mom. a really adaptive coping mechanism. Yeah. Right. When you think about so it. So we always want to make sure every time my kid does something that drives me crazy, that they supposedly knew what they were doing. Right. And I want to use that control toolbox. Are you talking about the lying though? Do they lie about it or no? no. Okay. Just in general. Okay. I try to respond. We try to respond. Our, our coaching and community here tries to respond as calmly as possible, as neutrally as possible, because we want them to to know that they can make choices and come to us to learn about mm-hmm. them and it, not come to us to get punished for them. I think a lot of people say, oh, but no, tell me you're not in trouble, but sometimes you're in trouble, but right now you're not in trouble. So mm-hmm. just tell me about it. Right. And that can be so confusing to a kid who's yeah. like, sometimes I'm in trouble. Sometimes I'm not in trouble. Some <laughs> things are mistakes. Some things aren't mistakes. Right. Like, ah, right. so how can we look at every choice our kids make as just a choice? Not good choices and bad choices, not mistakes. That's and our things. judgment if These it's are, good or bad. Those are our personal judgments. How can we look at every choice our kids make, whether it's hitting, mean words, stealing something, lying about something, as morally neutral? First, as right? not intentional, right? Mm-hmm. 
As Even if it feels intentional. Yeah. Kids are, are experimenting and learning. We want our kids to go into the world and say, I'm going to risk this a little bit. I'm going to experiment with this a little bit, mm-hmm. right? If we're constantly punishing our kids for the decisions they make, not only are they going to learn how to lie to us, mm-hmm. but they're going to go into the world covering up all of their mistakes, avoiding mistakes, avoiding right. responsibility. So when our kids right? are lying to us, I think what you're saying, Hannah, is outside of the lying, don't punish, don't grill don't shame your kids because that reinforces that they might want to hide something for you. That reinforces negative experiences around choices they're making. And then inside the moment of lying, we would recommend same, be really neutral. Oh, you brushed your teeth, huh? Okay. Let's, well, maybe we go brush them again. Come on in there with me. I wasn't able to maybe come with you the first Maybe tonight's a two-brush night, right. right? Or, oh, um, you had like a whole cake at grandma's? That sounds like a lot of cake. How are you feeling? And we're not trying to prove them wrong. We're not trying to be like, okay, I'm taking this at 100% Mm -hmm. value. But you're showing them, you're you're testing something out. Okay, I'm kind of hip to this, but I'm still not um, totally disoriented or um, mm-hmm. angry about it. I'm not, not bust you. I'm not I'm taking this side. personally. You're experiencing the world and showing up in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And those moments that we can see through it, we don't have to come out and say that and out them. We can be that cool. Like imagine trying, we've talked about this before, trying to be the, the moms is what we talk about sometimes. How can I be the mom that is like the cool aunt, right? Like the one that's like, oh, I kind of see th- through this thing, but I'm going to play along and be there to support them in a cool way. Then maybe we'll go for margaritas when they're like 21 or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's that's the kind of mom that I want to be. Not being like, I'm not excuse letting them, me, Missy. I'm not letting you know? them, uh, my child get away with anything. It's not saying to permit whatever they're lying about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that thing disappeared, so it's not right. there anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, right? but I think if we don't know they're lying in the moment and we find out something later, we can come bring it back in a circle back, not mm-hmm. a grill back like we were all raised with. A circle back where we say, so I was thinking about earlier, we're cuddled up at bedtime or we're sitting on the couch reading or we're driving somewhere, so it's kind of neutral mm-hmm. and they're sitting behind us. So I was thinking about how you told me this one thing earlier. And then I found out that that wasn't really the case because this other thing was actually true. So do you want to talk about it or and, what, and what I, were you going through when you said whatever? Right. So and that I, might be too harsh for some kids, yeah. but for, but for others that could be totally cool. And mm-hmm. they might be like, uh, nothing. So, mm-hmm. I, but I feel like it's a neutral <clears throat> way to tiptoe into, I kind of saw what happened there, but you're, you're not in trouble. Ultimately as to wrap up this conversation on uh, child lying, I think a lie is very similar to any other extreme thing our kids would say. They hate you. They're never going to school again. Um, they already brushed their teeth. All of those things are feelings underneath. We have to get beneath the lie or beneath the grandiose mm-hmm. statement, beneath the hateful, hurtful language, quote unquote, and say, what's going on underneath? That's what I want my child to learn ultimately to prevent lying in the future, to prevent um, mm-hmm. big, big words and, and scary, you know, um, statements, right? Mm-hmm. We want to get to the heart of that. So we translate usually. When my kid lies, I'll say, you wish you brushed your teeth already. I know. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So that then brushing they can, isn't that fun. I get it. Yeah. So then they can eventually be like, I don't want to brush my teeth and feel safe with me saying they don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm telling them in my response, I get you. Mm-hmm. I get why you're saying it that way. Right? Yeah. I'm getting to the heart of the matter, to the root cause of why you're telling me this in this strange kind of particular way. 
right? Yeah. It's so natural for kids to experiment with reality, yeah. truths. And I think that it's a good reminder to us that, yes, sometimes it's a black and white thing and you're like, that's absolutely not true. But a lot of the times we think that and say that and their truth is different than our truth, mm-hmm. period. You know, mm-hmm. I remember being little and looking up my, my driveway and being like, I can't get to the top. It's too far. And I remember one of my parents being like, it is not far. It's just there. I saw it the other day when we drove by. I was like, it was just there. It's like not that long of a yeah. driveway. But the truth to me at that was time, that at that moment as a kid, it was, it was so far. Right. And we have to give our kids the benefit of the doubt that they do not exist within our personal reality. They have their own. Right. Mm -hmm. Whether they're lying about it or having big feelings about it or saying mean words about it, their reality is theirs and it is ours to honor and to interact with in a respectful, curious, loving way. When you really think about it, our kids don't owe us the truth. Mm -hmm. They don't owe us anything. They don't owe us good behavior. They don't owe us nice pats on the back. They don't owe us I love you. Or a cheery attitude. They do not owe us all those things. They're just trying to be kids and to get their needs met. We owe them. We're the ones that shouldn't lie to them unnecessarily. We're the ones that should speak respectfully. We're the ones that should lean in and get curious and loving and and kooky, Mm -hmm. right? We're the ones responsible. We brought them into this family and into this world. We are serving them. Mm -hmm. They do not owe us a single thing. Mm -hmm. And if we continue to show up in this loving, unconditional, curious, non-judgmental way, whenever we can, they will do that with us and with other people, right? That's the whole idea. Yeah. This week we're talking about respect and how I think a lot of people have kind of a negative association with the word respect um, around parenting because it's been like co-opted into if you respect your your parent, that means you obey them. And I think that that it's it's sort of been, this word has been hijacked. And I think that if we as parents are demanding respect from our children, so they don't lie or they're nice all the time or they don't hurt their siblings or they X, Y, Z. They agree with something. If we're demanding that respect, it is not true respect. Mm -hmm. It is an abuse of power, Mm -hmm. right? Right. We want our kids to want to respect us. Respect is about consent. And it's about inspiring something in somebody through true authentic connection. Not a snap of the fingers. Respect for can't come from fear, from us using fear tactics on our kids as mm-hmm. the person in power. Our kids respecting us can only come from trust, right? Yeah. And that's what we're trying to cultivate in all of these difficult situations with our kids is saying, this is why we run through a conversation in the resist approach. Mm-hmm. Not just because kids learn better with connection, not just because kids grow a better self-concept, right, about themselves, a relationship in the world, but because they learn to trust us, Mm -hmm. right, that we're not constantly centering ourselves and putting our own expectations first, that we really do want to bring them in on their lives and do what's Mm -hmm. best for them. But I think that the more we're able to, like you said, Hannah, uncenter ourselves Mm -hmm. in this, the more we're teaching our kids to to not be a fragile white person when they grow up, right, to not think that everything's about them when somebody gives them some feedback or even criticism, whatever it is, right? The more we're able to take that quote unquote feedback, whether it's five-year-old version, two-year-old version, 12-year-old version, feedback, quote unquote disrespectful feedback, the more we're able to take that with grace and curiosity and no ego, Mm -hmm. that's what we're teaching them. That is the gift we're giving our kids moving into this world, this complicated, messy world. 
right? To always be the bigger person, to listen with their, their eyes and their ears and their hearts open mm-hmm. to what other people have to say without, um, kind of building up this armor around them because they're so fragile, mm-hmm. right? To be vulnerable in a strong way and not in a weak way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that like you're kind of wrapping this up, Kelsey, I think that requires then that we're not demanding respect from our kids mm-hmm. before they're willing to give it willingly, right? Mm-hmm. And also that we're not punishing them for growing. Because if we punish our kids for growing, then they are going to not just be scared to grow and scared to take risks, but when they do make a mistake, they will be so fragile about it. Mm -hmm. They will avoid, they will shame, they will blame, they will go down a spiral, right? We do not want to be raising white kids who are fragile. We want to be raising white kids who will listen to feedback, who Mm -hmm. will want to do better, right? Mm -hmm. That's the goal here. Yeah. And And that asks us to be neutral, to be cool, to know that this is not a race. This is not an emergency in this teaching of our kids. And just reminding, like, we need every single um, one of these live Q&As when our kids are bopping each other, when they're lying, when they're cutting their homework, when they're, you know, shredding our favorite curtains, when they're... um, making messes when they won't clean up the messes Mm -hmm. when they're saying mean words that just stab like a dagger in our hearts right it's all we need to do is keep people physically safe try to be as neutral and as cool as possible and talk about it when everyone is calmed down right in a warm loving non-binary way that's all we have to do over and over Over and over and And that's how kids learn best Mm -hmm. right We were lecturing a little there, everybody. We had a rant. Getting I feel like our, every our episode we have horse. a nice little rant. What else is going on with everybody? Yeah, it's a Friday t- night. How much we, time do we have? No, got probably a, not we got much. a couple minutes. Not much time left. Yeah. Anyway, if you have any other thoughts that are going on where you want to talk about elevating your discipline, supporting your sensitive and spirited kids, um, let us know or send us a DM. Mm-hmm. We've got our uh, strong-willed kids or spirited kids download available uh, on our Instagram and in the main title there for free um, for free or uh, over in our shop, which is upbringing.co forward slash shop. But that's kind of a nice way to get you going if you're just starting with, wow, I've got these spirited and sensitive kids. Okay, I can identify that. They're not just mm-hmm. like trying to ruin my life or I didn't just get mm-hmm. unlucky raising kids that are more mm-hmm. energetic, more difficult, more um Consistent, sensitive, right. emotional. All the things, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so the the download has some um, inspiring mantras to just kind of get us in the right brain space a little bit mm-hmm. with our strong-willed kids. And then also some helpful phrasing to kind of get that conversation started based on the resist approach um, that you can also download. Uh, but just to be like, well, how do I show up differently in these moments mm-hmm. when I want to say something that's going to make it worse and that has made it worse? How can I make it better? How can I still get the things done during the day that need to happen, right? But in a way that's keeping my connection with my kid, mm-hmm. building their skills by the skills they're seeing me model, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Yeah. Someone says, hi, just joined in a bit new to this approach. So I hope this makes sense. Can you give some examples of the neutral verbiage instead of calling something a mistake or poor choice? Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. so when a kid quote unquote makes a mistake or quote unquote poor give choice. Give us an example if you have any, one. Let's but. just say hurting their sibling yeah. or, um, you know, skipping, skipping their <clears throat> schoolwork, even though they were supposed so to be doing that. I think it's so easy for us to focus on, and we talk about this a lot, when we talk about poor choices or mistakes, mm-hmm. we're focusing on the behavior 
or we're focusing behaviors in the middle, or we're focusing on the impact of that behavior. Mm -hmm. Look at you did, you made a bad choice, you hit your sibling, and look, they are so upset, and now we're not gonna do whatever, Mm -hmm. and I can't trust you, and this and that. So little time, traditionally, are we spent focusing on the root cause of the behavior and the impact, which is the child's needs. Mm -hmm. And the only way for kids to not just change their behavior over time in an authentic way, but still understand themselves and give Mm -hmm. themselves grace, right? Is if we focus on the needs primarily, that needs to be our first focus. So in this case, let's say our kid hit their sibling, right? Mm -hmm. We we would make sure the sibling is okay. Let's say traditionally we would say kind of like you did, you were supposed to be playing safely. Why? What's wrong with you? You made a bad choice bad hitting choice. them. You hurt her. Right. You need to be safe with her. Right. She's littler. Look at her. Look, she's crying she's now. Crying. She right? has a, a scratch on her. Now, impact also, we, we aren't going to be able to go to the park now. Yeah. Right. Or we aren't going to be able to No have... play time with your friend or dessert. Right. Something or anything like fun that. ever. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, what is the kid learning about? What are they learning in general that... They can't control their impulses and they feel really bad about it. That anytime they are experimenting or feeling uncomfortable, mom is disappointed in them. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're mad at baby for getting them in trouble because Mm -hmm. maybe baby, your younger sister, did something to kind of provoke them. And maybe they got coddled and held after. And meanwhile, and then they're mad about things being taken away, right? Meanwhile, they still have no idea why they did it, right? No idea whatsoever, right? Mm -hmm. They're uncomfortable. They had an impulse. And they acted on that impulse because they had no self-awareness. And so going to the need is building the critical skill of self-awareness with our kids that is the root cause of every behavior or feeling they're always going to have. And the main tool for impulse control in the future. Right. Right. Because knowing how they feel. Right. So that neutral verbiage, right, instead of calling something a mistake or poor Mm -hmm. choice, we'd come into that sibling um, situation and say, hey, okay, I'm seeing you need a Whoa. little space. What's going on, everyone? Oh, got some big feelings, some some okay. big arms. I'm going to make or sure we come we're all in and safe. We say, I'm hearing some yelling. How's everyone doing? Inside, we're like, I know how everyone's doing. Super shitty. Okay, so right? you so you so you hit her on the head. Okay, are you all right? Here, sit down. I'm going to make some space. Okay. It looks like you're trying to hit. Okay, still. so it looks like you were wanting to hit. Okay, you're you're look like you're calming down. I'm going to not calming down. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to get your hands together. We're going to take a deep breath. <sighs> Maybe <sighs> calms down or. Or maybe you just hit and then you're kind of chill because some I've, kids just hit in their uh, chill. Right. Yeah. And I would say, what's going on? What's happening? Looks like you hit her. What were you needing? So I would go immediately. I'd say, what were you needing? What's going on? Oh, you were having oh, trouble controlling your body. This, or a lot of kids who aren't used to accessing their needs might say, she did this first mm-hmm. or I didn't do anything. Or they'll try to run away because mm-hmm. they've gotten in trouble Mama. before. They don't want to have made a poor choice and make mom mad at them, mm-hmm. right? So you might have to recondition them to show up and stay in a conflict with you and say, it's this is actually a safe place to be. Mm-hmm. Actually, right? this is totally You don't cool. have to get defensive. You don't have to point fingers, right? Mm-hmm. Shame or blame. Or lie about it. Right. Nope, we're here. Mm-hmm. I just want to know what's going on. So maybe a kid that's been conditioned that way, you might need to talk to them about it another time. Later. What were you needing earlier today? How'd that go? when you and your sister were kind of struggling a little yeah. bit. You're like, in your mind, you're like, when you sat on her face and like she almost passed out, you're mm-hmm. like, remember you were struggling a little? Right. Right? That's yeah. neutral. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, you know, so how was say, it going? What were you needing? You know, a five-year-old or any child, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you said how, how old, we mm-hmm. made this up, I forgot, mm-hmm. um, is uh, can't control their impulses, right? We think they can and they can't. 
Mm -hmm. right? And they also usually know that what they do isn't okay. So instead of wasting our time doing that, Mm -hmm. which just creates the shame response, the blame. Here's why it's not okay. Here's what you're looking at. What's not okay. Here's this consequence that you can't do this again. Right. Don't do it again. Don't spend the time on that. Spend the time on the child and their needs and building their Mm self-awareness, creating security around whatever need that was. If we shut down and punish a behavior, they can't disconnect that from the need that drove the behavior. So it's, let's it's say, not like our kid is going to say, oh, so just oh. no hitting. But when I'm needing Legos and feeling really stressed out, I'll just do something else. I'll I just, just won't do that. I'll just ask nicely. I'll just. Right. Yeah. No. They, they'll never get to that or it'll be really mm-hmm. hard for them to get to that unless they know that what they were needing was extra Legos and the little one was taking them away. Or they need more space right. or they need their Legos higher up. So or they're needing time um, right before nap time alone. Right. Impulses, kids' impulses when they do wild shit, hit each other or do certain things, mm-hmm. they, those are surprises to them. They're surprises to us and they're mm-hmm. surprises to our Even kids when as they, well. It seems like the biggest wind up ever. And they're like, <laughs> ah! they're right. still surprised. It's, they are surprised Swear just as much as we are by their impulses. Mm-hmm. And that's the work we have to do is to help them. Not just us understand so that we give them the benefit of the doubt and like them more, mm-hmm. but also so they understand soon they can get some awareness around, mm-hmm. oh, wait, Legos. I remember I talked about this with mom. I'm not just feeling an unconscious stress response because I've been punished so much around Legos, mm-hmm. but I actually have a calm memory in my mm-hmm. prefrontal cortex. I'm working through this. Oh, yeah. Legos get taken. Maybe I should do them mm-hmm. somewhere else. Or they they might be they might hit the hit their sibling and be remembering even as they're doing it. Mm-hmm. They can't stop the impulse but they're remembering that neutral, loving space where they were working through it with you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's so hard, though. So hard. Yeah, and I think that the number one thing to be able to carry that neutral dialogue out to support our kids, whether it's a sibling conflict or they're misbehaving or quote-unquote making a bad choice, whatever it is, is us believing that it's important that they're doing it, right. that it's normal, that it's natural, that it's necessary, that it is not an emergency, and all it requires is us maybe being a little bit more nearby, mm-hmm. Right watching, waiting, and then being there as neutrally as possible. But, but those thoughts, like we talked about in the mantras and a lot of our, um, and our free spirited kid download and all of, a lot mm-hmm. of our other uh, mini guides helps us recondition our brains to believe this is not the worst. They're not trying to ruin my life. Their sibling relationship is not going to suck in the future. Mm-hmm. They're not going to turn into a demon child or an insensitive lover. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And going in there, believing that it's going to be okay helps us then say, Hey, wow. Okay. How's it going, everyone? And practicing that thinking helps Mm -hmm. us then practice those words, then helps us practice that neutral body language, then helps us practice that neutral, loving, um, open-ended question. And all of that neutrality and safe space Mm -hmm. sets the scene for learning. Mm -hmm. And I think often when we talk about good choices and bad choices, and Kelty and I can go off on this for a long time, Mm -hmm. we're basically... Um, restricting our kids from learning, right? Mm-hmm. Or we're adding um, additional consequences to something because we don't believe that kids can just learn from natural mm-hmm. consequences. It's, it's such a big point that we talk about. Yeah. We do not have to manufacture consequences for our kids. That impact of their, their of them having this tiff with their sibling and losing the Legos was enough. No kid wants to fight. Mm-hmm. Kids always prefer to be doing well, as Ross Green says. Yeah. Everyone wants to do well. They're not fighting on purpose. They're not misbehaving on purpose. They don't want to displease us on purpose. Ever. They don't. So we always have to be looking at our kids, meeting them exactly where they are, knowing that if they could do better, you better believe they'd be doing Mm -hmm. better, right? Just like when we're struggling. I want to always be amazing and wonderful and glittery and and lovely to everyone in my life. Am I? 
No, no. Definitely um, not. Amy said it, he's an only and three years, so it's typically more about when he does something like throw a toy or break something. Draw, sorry, drawing a blank in exact scenarios. That's okay. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, throwing a toy, breaking something, those are all normal things for a three-year-old mm-hmm. to do. And it's not on them to inhibit their three-year-old impulses when they have no prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. It's on us as the responsible parent to say, I'm going to just give them access to things that if they break, it's okay. Yeah, I'm going to give them access, access to things that if they throw, they're not going to get in trouble. Right. Or right? we learn their behavior is information. Ooh, so that kind of thing, not so much. Or, ooh, this time of day, maybe I should be a little closer by. The consequences shouldn't be put on our child. The consequences are for us to learn about. Mm-hmm. Parents can get those consequences. Take in that information. That's think, the worst next when, time. When your kid like takes a marker and draws on the wall or something, that big gulp and that sigh that you have being like, oh, that was all me. I left the <laughs> marker out. Right. That was all me. Yeah. Right? And that's okay. Right? We take the The big deep breath is a breath of grace and a breath of forgiveness for ourselves and a breath to remind us not to punish our children for being human and having lack of impulse control. Kids show us what they can manage, where they are developmentally by what they do. And a lot of what they can't manage. Right. That's what we're always talking about. And if they're showing us that, then it's on us to make the changes. And that's what we say. That's the neutral language we say. Oh, you're showing me you can't be safe with that marker. You're showing me you can't be safe with that sharp thing. You're wanting to throw that ball, but it's glass. So I'm sorry. Or you threw that and... Your toy mm-hmm. and it's broken now. Oh, mm, it's broken. I guess. I guess we'll throw it away. Or yeah, what we can we do with it now? We're showing right? the impact neutrally, mm-hmm. right? right? We're showing the impact neutrally when we say, "Oh, the ball is only for outside." Right. And I'll say, right? "I made a bad choice sometimes as well." Or I'll just say, "So I left you with these markers and you colored on the wall." Oh man, oh. I just learned that. I guess I need to be nearby mm-hmm. when you're around the markers, right? Mm-hmm. What we really There's want to no say good that, or bad choice. I that, learned in that moment as a yeah. parent. I didn't make a mistake. Yeah. I just learned something. Just like our kids don't make mistakes. They just learn things, mm-hmm. right? I love just swapping that language out. Yeah. Oh, I just learned I that. learned something. And keeping it temporary. Right now, you're Today. struggling. Today, not such a good day for finger paints. You right. know? Today, not such a great day for scissors around right. your sister. Okay. And honoring that impulse. You're wanting to throw that. What, can, what else can we throw that works, You right? want to cut something up? Let's go find something that's not a precious heirloom right or your bangs like happened to kelty the other day right it wasn't my bangs but no (laughs) my son's my sons are now like at the top of his head yeah they're so cute that way okay we've got a couple questions left and then we got we got to wrap this up this has been really fun everybody Mm -hmm. so how do i respond to my four-year-old son who just hits and screams at his 17 month old brother for no reason at all four-year-olds will wake from his nap and start screaming at his brother don't look at me and smack him oh yeah sounds um sounds sensitive right yeah and i don't i want to say right away that it's not for no reason at all it's for no no visible reason to us for sure it seems totally out of the blue why would this four-year-old be waking up and just like go ape shit on his little raging brother Mm -hmm. that's so hard it's really hard a lot of kids wake up and feel really sensitive they Mm -hmm. oftentimes purge emotion right away Mm -hmm. so a lot of kids wake up and cry Mm -hmm. just inconsolably a lot of kids Mm -hmm. wake up and they rage Mm -hmm. right that the sensitive nervous system the transition from sleep to wake or from wake to sleep is Mm -hmm. really hard for some kids Mm -hmm. that's just how their nervous Systems sometimes are. it can be about oversleeping or undersleeping, and other times it really is just about the nervous system. Right, and I sure. think that our job isn't to tell our four month, our four year old not to hit their seventeen month old when they wake up. It's to say, I need as the responsible adult need to keep the seventeen month old in a safe place away from the four year old. Mm-hmm. 
four-year-old is taking out their stress, their nervous system, mm -hmm. their needs. They have they have a need right. that they need to express. Whatever right. that is, it's coming out and hitting and smacking and screaming, right? right? So like we talked about before, mm -hmm. that's information to us. Yeah. Okay. You're showing me that you need a little bit of space. Right. When you wake up or you're showing me you need to hit and scream or at that I can't be in the kitchen with you two alone across right. the house. Right. Okay. You're, sh you're showing me this and not like you're showing me you yeah. can't whatever with attitude, no. but you're showing me or I'm learning. I'm noticing like, I'm this. Noticing this I'm noticing this, that it's been a struggle lately. Okay. Yeah. Right. I think that this four year old with 17 month old is like 17 month old is when kid baby becomes child. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes four year olds are oh like, Oh, God, this yeah. baby don't know about them. And then all of a sudden they're like, who is this? I'm going to kick the crap. Out of like, them every time for a while I see they're them. like whatever yeah and then all of a sudden they're like this person yeah it's I'm so gonna target hard. that right yeah. perfect little thing to project all of my stress and angst about not being an only child anymore there's so many reasons behind this mm -hmm. we unpack this a lot in our sibling conflict guide which is available at upbringing.co forward slash shop mm -hmm. um, but we we feel your pain. We yeah. had the um, two-year split between my kids, Kelty's kids, and even less between all four of our kids. We had four kids in three years, so mm -hmm. um, we definitely experienced that a yeah, lot. My and kids cr had to cry to fall asleep and cried when they w woke up until mm -hmm. they were like four. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we feel you just hang mm -hmm. in there. Be as close as you can when they're struggling. Notice the times of day it's happening. Just be loving. Try to keep everyone mm -hmm. safe and yeah. try to stay neutral. <clears throat> Take those deep breaths. Game up a little bit beforehand. Mm. Make sure that you're self-caring and thinking not, oh, here we go again, but here we go again. Okay. Right. Yep. Four-year-old is showing you what they can do in any given moment by what they're doing. They're showing you, right? What their capacity is based on the brain size they have, based on the needs they have, based on the skills they've built so far, mm -hmm. right? Last, last couple of things. As elders are getting vaccinated and are already so bad at keeping masks on, any advice to keep the peace and model good behavior when adults are arguing? Mm. Oh. Arguing about kind of mask stuff? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I think if this is kind of about arguing in front of our kids... I think that we can try not to. I think we could try to keep our kids separate from that as often as we can. Try to be neutral and say, okay, okay, and we're struggling. Mm -hmm. And okay, and we can be with our kid if they if they have to be right there. We mm -hmm. can just be showing them, this is okay, it's all right. Mm -hmm. Then we can always circle back. You heard grandma and daddy kind of, you know, struggling a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. I felt a little tense about it. How did you feel? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're having a disagreement about mask stuff a little yeah. bit, but it's okay. Then we're going to figure yeah. it out. I think right? if you can't get space in an, a mm -hmm. heated argument, I think any of us in an argument, we need to get space as those as the ones participating. And then anyone who's watching can get space as well. And we want to show our kids mm -hmm. that if they're not feeling good and there's an uh, attention that they don't want to be a part of, it's okay to remove yourself. You don't have to be stuck, right? Mm -hmm. So I would I would um, encourage that. And then, like you said, Kelty, process after yeah. and and explain what happened a little bit. Last question says, can we talk about sensitive and spirited parents? Oh my gosh, Angela. That can is we a, talk about it the whole time? Can we? Oh my we gosh. We talked a little bit last uh, live Q&A and podcast episode about sensitive and spirited parents and how the same way we try to look at our kids' sensitivities and, and fierce spirits, we're trying to um, look at our own with that same lens that they're beautiful, that they're amazing, that they're superpowers, mm -hmm. and that we're all working to um, side by side to build skills, understanding, mm -hmm. um, awareness mm -hmm. around what those mean, what our needs are that are driving those, right? Right? How those expre expressions of spirit and sensitivity are impacting others, yes, but more connecting to our inner wisdom and authority and figuring out where's that coming from? Mm -hmm. What's driving that feeling? 
Right. right. I think oftentimes when those of us who are sensitive and spirited parents, it's extra easy for us to lean on our kids to meet our needs. Mm-hmm. It's extra easy to say, like, you can't talk to me that way because I'm spirited and I will yell back at you. Mm-hmm. Or you need to, you know, n- not ever be touching me or doing these things. And I struggle with a boundary because I'm very sensitive. Right. You need mm-hmm. to stop yelling because I'm too sensitive ah, and my ears hurt. Mm-hmm. And we put that pressure on our kids to meet our sensitive and spirited needs. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard and it's a, a give and take, right? We have to remember that they are they do not exist, our kids, to meet our needs and that we have to find other ways to create security, not just for them, but for ourselves. We need to get our needs met through personal boundaries, through some distancing, mm-hmm. through um, extra self-care support, through a partner or a friend, whatever we can do, mm-hmm. right? But putting limits on our kids because we're sensitive or spirited isn't necessarily the way to go about it Mm -hmm. because then it kind of flips the responsibility from parent to kid being responsible. But I think it is a gift too. I think a lot of people think it's a curse being like, oh my gosh, I'm sensitive. And now I have this sensitive kid who's like a nervous wreck all the time. Ah Right. Or or spirited. I'm spirited. Now I have this kid that's pushing back on everything and I'm like... It's triggering my temper and my lack of patience, mm-hmm. and and all of those are obstacles. Yes, but but they're also an opportunity to be growing up ourselves and saying, I'm seeing these characteristics in my mm-hmm. kid, and not be like, oh, they're fucked. Obviously, like like mm-hmm. me, they're doomed. Like we've been stigmatized as right. adults who are sensitive children or spirited children. It's a lot of shame. We've got a lot of shame about mm-hmm. it. I hope they don't end up like me, right? Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways. And I think that we can use those as opportunities to take pride, not just in our kids' characteristics, but in our own, right? And be thinking of that as, as a positive commonality. Mm-hmm. And that remembering that mm-hmm. just an inherent temperament is not a pathology. It's that not an inherent a, a condemnation. Isn't any of those things. It's not inherently negative. It's the support we get with the temperament we have. Mm-hmm. It's the love and the unconditional love we get with the, the nervous system that we have and that we get to go about this differently and we get to rewrite history in kind of a beautiful way yeah. with our spirited or sensitive child yeah. in a way that we didn't necessarily get as a right. spirited or sensitive child it, ourselves. It feels so amazing to me to be able to tell my kid, you know what? My nervous system is just a little more sensitive than some other people's. Or, hey, your nervous system is a little sensitive right now about this thing. Mm-hmm. You're needing to punch and kick, or you're needing to go somewhere quiet and dark. And That's honoring okay. exactly who and where our kids are for who they are and what they right. are and what they're going through right now in a way that we <clears throat> didn't necessarily get growing up. Right. We get to be honoring ourselves and our kids in that way. And yeah. saying it is so affirming, mm-hmm. saying those things with, with pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hope this helps everybody. This yeah. was really wonderful. Someone last comment said, you've been parenting wrong and trying to rewire yourself. Any advice on how and where to start so it's not overload and it actually sticks? Welcome. Welcome. That's such a wonderful question. It's hard to know where to start, but I think just being here in these lives is such a great starting place where you're listening and kind of pulling things in, thinking about your own life, what you've done, what you um, want to be doing, what's different, what your childhood is about. All yeah. of it's so good. A lot of people love coming to these live Q&As because they get to listen to so many different little examples. Mm-hmm. We're diving into different age groups, different challenges. We're driving, diving into some bigger meta thinking. What's the type of parent we want to be? What is the uh, power, the- control? 
control. Right. All socialization mm-hmm. versus self-awareness, all of these topics that yeah. swirl in and out of these small little stories and connections that people are sharing. Mm-hmm. So I, I w- would say what Hannah is, which is said, just keep coming back. Right. We've got our resist approach and freedoms mm-hmm. model that you can download for free on our website at upbringing.co. And it kind of gets you started on what is this respectful parenting idea of doing things a different way, resisting. That's why we have it, our resist approach, resisting uh, conventional uh, discipline, which is based in control, mm-hmm. right? And choosing powers beyond control in these difficult moments right. with our kids. So just in brief, we, we have the instinct to control our kids when they're, they're struggling with their challenging behaviors and big feelings, right? right. To say, I'm going to give you consequences, or I'm going to manipulate you, or I'm going to threaten you, or I'm going to lecture you, or I'm yeah. going to spank you or send you to your room. And so much research is coming out now that says we don't actually have to do any of those things, right? It's hard work on us to relearn all like of this. Like you said, rewire. Rewire, yeah. right. But basically when our kids resist us, we can resist that cultural conditioning that tells us to dominate them in those tough moments. Mm-hmm. So we'll respect that they're their own person, right? And they have their own point of view that we can't always understand. We'll empathize with their point of view. We'll validate. So they feel heard. Like mm-hmm. all of us wants to when we're struggling. And calm so they can learn. Calm down so their brain is receptive. Then we'll sync up. That's where we sometimes will then say, well, here's my need or my concern about what you're doing is. It's it, That's the step that we usually do instinctively first as parents. Hey, here's this thing about right. that, that I believe that I right. need, right? And then we go to innovate after that step. What can we do? You have these needs. I have these needs. You want to be jumping, you know, on the dining table and I want to be serving dinner. What can we do? Right. And then we might summarize where we have to set a limit. You're showing me you still want to be jumping on the dining table instead of get off or else I'm going to help you down. Right. I'm going to set that limit. I'm going to help you out over here. It seems like you're I'm having you trouble. Find something else. Right. And then the last step, trust that these, that these are constantly opportunities, that there's, there's beauty in this, in, in the growing and in the growing pains of all of these situations that we have the opportunity to circle back to teach outside the moment. Right. As we're rewiring our brains and moving through these discipline, quote unquote, situations with our kids, we're also teaching them all of these skills. When we use the control toolbox, we're teaching them methods of control. We're normalizing either experiencing being controlled or controlling other people in those same ways, Mm -hmm. right? And when we use powers beyond control, those are the powers our kids are learning to meet their needs and other people's needs in the future. Mm -hmm. So it's a win-win and research backs it up, which is awesome, right? We're not just shooting in the dark here. We're like, okay, these are the conversations we're having. Our Elements of Respect poster is on sale this weekend, right? Or are we doing a giveaway? All of the prints. Okay. We're doing a giveaway for it on Instagram right now. And all of our prints are on sale through the weekend. Right. So if you're needing that visual um, support, We've got you. It's helped us. It's helped so many folks being like, what do I say? How am I doing this? What Mm -hmm. am I rerouting? And I think as we're working on our beliefs, we can also use the other side and say, let's start putting different words in our mouths as we're going through these situations. And the the words and the beliefs will influence each other back and forth. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the process a lot of us have been on on this journey and going easy on ourselves, right? There's no backwards. Once we start realizing and thinking about these things and practicing them, you know, it's all good. Growing awareness is is where it's at. Yeah. You know, and we like to talk about it not as a staircase, like, oh my gosh, I did two stairs up and then I yelled or sent them to time out three steps back. One stair up because I connected instead of just controlling them. And then I ended up slamming the door and storming off or whatever. It's not that a staircase, it's a river. We're always flowing, we're always growing, right? Mm -hmm. If you're here, you're doing the work. And we're really proud of you. And we're really grateful that you're here with us, um, growing up alongside.
alongside your kids growing up alongside our kids uh, one conversation at a time so thanks for joining us everyone thanks for being here everyone mm -hmm. we'll see you next week tuesday, tuesday. we'll be back um, on instagram all right bye Bye, everyone